Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. That music does mean that you're listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. Um, so slow down and and take a listen. I'm Trey, that's Stephanie, and that's Thaddeus, and we're going to start Howdy. with praise. All right, start with our prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray Pray for for us. St. John Paul II. Pray Pray for for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Yes. Welcome. Good morning. It's... uh, a Tuesday. That's right. And you have joined Train Seven. Tuesday in Lent. In Lent. Yes. And we're in that Tuesday. And we've got some things to probably rehash that have <laughs> gone before and, and some other things that I think kind of flow out of those those rehashes that I think are really important for us Catholics to remember. We, we had a couple things and this is I mean, I think that the fact that these have come up the way they've come up points to what I'd like to focus some on. <laughs> later with regard to Lent. But let's go ahead and handle those. I think the first one... Yeah, and, and before we really get rolling, let's be honest here. It's because I opened my big trap twice no, during no. the last show. Okay, no, no but no, no, the, no, you, no, I don't think you did. I think it actually makes a point that I think is that is Very good. Valid. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than you open your mouth. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's not forget that. Let's not forget No, that. that's not... I promise you that's not yeah. it. I, I, I think... Um, Always an opportunity. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Anyway, um, so I think one of them was we talked about the. Um, it was getting married in in getting married, yeah, in, getting Lent. married in Lent, and 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 after and after and we had received an email talking about that there were weddings in Lent with with good priests who are faithful to the church and, and shout out to Waco listener Stephen. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. monthly donor. Yeah, thank, awesome. thank thanks, you, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen, for yeah. for jumping. And, and again, we we either make mistakes or or fail to clarify sometimes. And and questions or comments like that are always helpful because I mean, Absolutely. all of us are just in, in pursuit of what's true, good, and beautiful. And and sometimes it's because things aren't qualified appropriately. Sometimes it's because I just flat out wrong. <laughs> and other times it's it's in keeping with the spirit. I don't know about. I don't really know. You did you talk? What did you find out, Thaddeus, with regard to kind of? So, Doctor Bartel was was good enough to because it was in one, it was when we had Doctor Bartel on right, Doctor right. Bartel on to mm-hmm. talk about um, her book to talk about weddings. We were mm-hmm. talking about right. weddings and matrimony. Um, and I ju- kind of towards the beginning of the show, I jumped in and I said, I believe it's law of the church that you cannot be married during Lent. And then Stephen was kind enough to say that, "Hey, uh, I'm going to I'm a going to a wedding in Waco <laughs> in a couple of weeks, and I'm pretty sure it's valid." Right. Um, and so we got back to um, Sarah, and she wrote this to us. Uh, she looked she looked into it, and she said, "It looks like perhaps it is just a custom to avoid planning weddings for Lent." Whereas it is only Good Friday and Holy Saturday when canon law actually prohibits the celebration of weddings. Um, 
She said, good catch, Stephen, and thanks for listening. Yeah, so I think I think that that, that points – I mean, that by itself is an example of the way that that we as Catholics sh- should be. I mean, we, there, there are – and just being in the Catholic faith, you've got to know there are small T traditions, there are big T traditions, there are things that are canon law, there are things that are custom – and knowing where those where something falls, because oftentimes you'll see things that are maybe small t or even just customs in people's mind raised to big t tradition, and then you might even see some that are big t tradition that somehow have been dropped down to some level below. And it is important for us to understand and know that that's the case. So if it was a custom, that doesn't mean that it's not important to to try to stay with the custom is just because of what it communicates that it's not a, it's not a season that is particularly meant to be celebratory, but that does not mean that there's not a, exceptions to the rule or things that would happen or that it, that's the time that would be best to get married. And, and, and therefore, because it's not part of canon law and not part of doctrine, not part of anything like that, you don't even need to get any approval of it. And so it's sometimes there are just things that are that are there that are worth thinking about, but you can do what you want. You know, Good mm-hmm. Friday and mm-hmm. and Holy Saturday, right? Are those the that's two, right. You know, prohibited. The, the, prohibited. Those those two days are out. That's not something that's to be discussed or uh, right. whatever. I mean, that's not it. I mean, that's not a an option. And if we go back and we think about, well, what's this? What's this physical state? of a church of the in, of the sanctuary on good friday and right. holy saturday yeah. i mean no. the altar is stripped there's no decoration of any kind oftentimes the the icons the statues are covered, are covered. Mm-hmm. they're veiled and jesus is not and jesus, jesus is, is not, not present not present not in, in the tabernacle in the tabernacle, in the tabernacle. so yeah. it, it liturgically speaking it would be um nonsensical almost to have a wedding on Good Friday and Holy Saturday. Now it does say um, Stephen was good enough. He even researched it and he found some um, a great article on EW, EWTN's website and uh, that quotes some of the canon law and um, stipulations from the Congregation for Divine Worship. And it says that um, even in cases of imminent danger of death these restrictions on the celebration of matrimony, you know, could be lifted. So there are, there's the, there's exceptions. Right. And it would be a, that would be on something like that. It would be a very, so that, so again, the, the, but how beautiful that there are answers. Right. I I just think that's so beautiful. No, I I think it it is. And we as Catholics need to know that we can go and find it. And if we're open to it, it's like anytime there's a question. I mean, I used to have a thing with my kids that basically said, you you can ask any question you want. You can even ask questions that you think might make me upset to think you're even thinking about asking those questions. What I'm what I want from you is to be open to the answer, mm-hmm. particularly if <laughs> it's not what you want to hear. And so I think that that's what the church asks and so the good news is we can typically go and find the answer but many people don't want the don't want the answer and so yeah. we as good children of the church should should be in search of and then when we're wrong or mistaken then just say hey I defer mom knows better <laughs> yeah and I think um, what you just said Stephanie is triggered in me that I think this is this is also characteristic of the fact that it's the Catholic Church, that it's of the whole, right? So right. I, one of the things I love about the, the church is that this any little thing, let's say, can I have, when can I have a wedding? And, and you know, it's custom to not have it in Lent and you, it's not allowed on Good Friday or Holy Saturday. It's, it's that way because that little decision of to have a wedding on Good Friday, let's say, that's part of the whole thing of, well, what is it? What it, what is Good Friday, and why is Good Friday significant, right. and what is that telling us about salvation history and and the human person and the resurrection right. and the incarnation? So everything is all 
a part of a bigger thing, and that's why there are then rules, stipulations, right? And that, what and you, it, things you can and things right. you and can't do. And just like as parents, for your better good, you know. I mean, the, the church is always trying to steer us and guide us for our best selves, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But but and so but but the the thing that's that's also cool and should help us because I don't th- I think the church and oftentimes parents don't get a break maybe because they are perceived as such and maybe because we particularly parents aren't like that you hear even the church saying that under serious circumstances but it, it would be possible <laughs> if there was some extenuating circumstance something that I'm sure has to be extraordinarily serious that you would be able to even you know break that rule Mm-hmm. bend the rule for that. Well, we as parents, I think, need to take that under advisement that sometimes the answer is always no, period. Sometimes the answer is it'd have to be really serious for me to tell you ever yes to this, but it's possible. And and then we need to be able to listen to what what are the issues that are coming up, and that's part of building that communication between parents and and kids that I think is reflective of what the church says, that if there is something extenuating that is serious, we as parents should listen to it. And the answer still may be no, but we should be open to maybe this rule or whatever we're saying no to in this particular circumstance might need to be overlooked or waived or lessened for a given time or for a period. I think think we had, an example of that in our house last night when we had some kids asking to do something for spring break. And, you know, as a parent, you sometimes your gut answers first. You, you don't really know why. <laughs> you know why you, it, all of a sudden, you you know, you're like, Ooh, no, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Um, but I, I love I, like our child's response after we were able to kind of talk through it for both of us us to clarify why we didn't think it was such a great idea and for him to finally walk away and go, yeah, yeah, I get, I I get it. I I get why y'all think that, you know? And so, yeah, disappointed that he can't go do what he'd like to do with his friends, but was like, you know, and and I don't think that that, you know, just, just like in the church, you start, you know, (laughs) with first communion and well, baptism and then first communion and then you grow in the church, you grow in your relationship. It's just as that, the same way with parents, you know, you grow in your relationship with your children and you do things and explain to them the, the, you know, the moral reasons why, so that when you do get to those times when you can really go dig deep and, and, and dive deep to discuss those reasons, they know that you're not just saying no to say no, mm-hmm. you know, cause it mm-hmm. is so much easier to say no. Mm-hmm. God, it's so much easier. And that, well, it, is, it, it really is. But the but the reality is, in terms of building a relationship, and I think the church is like this. I think she gets a bad rap for not being like this. Well, Just okay. because there is a rule okay, so, doesn't mean— So who's going to get the bad rap in our situation? We're, we're going to be those parents that said, you know, again, yeah, that because— said, Yeah, that said no. Because we had a line that was drawn and— however. We, <laughs> However, we had a, a long enough conversation. This is this is why we're concerned, okay? And walk through, even though he was disappointed. He's like, okay, I get it. I mean, don't like it. I'll I'll accept it. I'm not angry. I just I understand now. That's how we as children of the church should be. It's how why how we as parents should be. In other words, it is easier to just say no, don't do that. And just obey me. But this is going to extend to what I wanted the rest of it. But you, you want more than just the outward obedience. Mm-hmm. The outward obedience, there's plenty of kids that are outwardly obedient that are inwardly hostile. And it's not part of who they are. It's not, it's not becoming. They're, it's being imposed upon them instead of becoming part of who they are. And we as parents... And the church, as mother, wants us to come along, gives us direction, no to this, yes to that, ought to do this regularly, ought to avoid that, always giving those directions. But the intention is not just to follow the rules. The intention is to understand why the rules are there and what do they mean and move forward. I'm going to use an example that, you know, 
that came up last night in a discussion because I was talking about my grandfather. We were talking about actually we we'd done a read aloud. Is this separate from the spring break Se- deal? Yeah, separate from the spring break deal that oh. came up over dinner. Good night in the Cashin household last night. Well, yeah, you know it's That's funny. what happens when you sit around the table. You sit around the table <laughs> exactly. Which again, we talk about this here. over sushi. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Amazing things happen over sushi. Well, last night, what was it? It wasn't sushi. No, it was fish sticks. And it was vegetables. fish sticks and vegetables. <laughs> we talk about this over fish sticks. But uh, but, but so. But it came up as we were re- we read something we're reading with it's Benedict Grishel. It's little bitty things on encounters with God in in nature and and um, I love Father Benedict Grishel. But anyway, yes. um, so it was a short deal and and conversation talked about nature and I said you know my grandfather loved nature and we were talking about the lake house that's been in our family and and again this is part of the storytelling that I think is really important as parents to think. And so I was able to, it came up and then it kind of turned into a teaching moment. My grandfather, okay, I know this is not okay, (laughs) um, but I also know my grandfather and I know that he asked and he wasn't told differently. So I'm going to say this knowing that what he, what he chose to, no, I think it's a great, listen, it it makes a great point. Y'all can't see me, but I am cringing. She's cringing. (laughs) My grandfather. Because I grandfather, hope nobody takes this out of context. If, no, there are, please. If there are parents with small children listening, do we need to? No, 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 no. It's not. It's not that. It's, it's not just. Like it's just. It's just. I know. It's. It. It. It's not okay. It happened. But. But. I think it makes a point. Okay. So my my grandfather loved the outdoors. I, I mean, loved the outdoors, and I and he loved the church. I, I I knew that, but after he died, I went to his house and 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 found all these books highlighted, and you know, John of the Cross. I, I had no idea how much he loved the church, except for I knew that the the priest that was our family priest or his family priest was was somebody who always said, you know, he was a daily communicant. And I mean, I learned things after the fact that, mm-hmm. that became evident. So I know he loved the church. And I also know that he would not have done this had he not asked. But in keeping with how much he loved nature and he loved the lake house, he was cremated. Okay. And that's that's okay. That part of it is. But he had things he wanted done with his ashes. One, he wanted ashes loaded into shotgun shells and and shot into the trees that he into the oak trees in front of the lake house that are as a memorial. He wanted ashes poured around all the trees that he planted. And then he wanted the remainder of those ashes submerged at his favorite fishing hole. So that was where it was. And I said, that's not consistent with what we as the church would say is okay. And I said, but I know my grandfather did not mean what, the church would say that shows, meaning I know that he knew that the body matters. I know that he knew that he would be resurrected from the body and that he's not throwing away something. The church would say that if you're cremated, you need to keep it and 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 keep it together and mm-hmm. keep keep it in a holy place and and not discard it. And my kids were like, "Well, so if that's what it was, then what's the problem?" And I said, "Well, it's the witness that's given." And he said, well, if he explained that, love the church, understand this, it's all going, then then why is that not okay? And I said, because people don't know him and they don't wouldn't be able to ask him questions. And no matter so somebody might see that and think that we think that the body doesn't matter, that that the that matter doesn't matter. And that's totally inconsistent with what the church says. The resurrection of the body is real. Did my grandfather believe that? Absolutely. Did he intend that to be a bad? Absolutely not. And and he had asked. I guarantee you he asked. He didn't do this on his own. He was not that type. It's cool for us, really, knowing him and how much he loved that. But, again, telling them that sometimes rules are there, not just for the person who understands, but for the sake of those who don't understand. And, and that's another point you can make with kids, that rules sometimes are there to be followed, that maybe you follow even if you don't know you need to follow, but because if somebody looks at you, they might think it's saying something else. 
Yeah, that's a good example. An example of that is the rule about non-Catholics not receiving communion at Mass. It's not primarily a sign of fellowship and communion. It's it's because we don't want people who don't believe that that's Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity going up there and lying and saying, amen, which is, yes, I believe that this is right. that. Exactly. We don't want to put people in that situation of having to lie and do something that they don't really believe. Right. And and I think like Saint like I was telling him, Saint Paul says as much that, you know, there's things I can there's things I can eat, I know I can eat. They're not there's nothing bad in them. But I but I do think about if I do eat them and somebody sees me, they may attribute some meaning to that and think that I'm doing something bad when I know I'm not and then go do it because you're doing it thinking that they're doing something bad because I did it. Mm-hmm. That's not what, exactly what he says, but it does mean it does mean that we have to think not in, in our actions. We have to think about what it communicates to others and the misconceptions that could come from that. Right. So I guess circling all the way back to weddings during Lent, the the law on Holy Saturday and Good Friday, and then you know, let's say the custom of not having them a very small T. I mean, uh, tradition yeah, tradition is to to is that communicate something about what lent is and what the uh, purpose of the season is and what we're trying to do it's it's supposed to be a somber time it's supposed to be a time of um things are muted celebrations are fewer that we're focusing on the our end we're focusing on our mortality right um, and so I think we're in the desert. Mm-hmm. We're in the desert, mm-hmm. right? You don't go into the desert and, and have, have a nuptial have a celebration. <laughs> right. and so, but it's not. But again, that's that is that's when you have to look at the church as saying, the okay, this thing. we're trying to communicate something, and sometimes it's essential, and other times it's just, hey, sorry. For, I mean, for example, grape wine is necessary for the sa- for the sacri- for the for the wine to be turned into blood you can't use apple wine you can't use whatever any other type of wine you have to use grape wine you can use red grape wine or you can use white grape wine all right if it's grape it's still his blood what about a rosé <laughs> well i guess i don't have no idea what a rosé is but if <laughs> as long as it's made out of grape i understand and whatever other things but i mean essentially right, right, it has right. to be grape the issue is is that sometimes the sign a red a red wine is a better looking sign mm-hmm. than white wine. It's no less valid, no less Jesus's blood in either case. Right. But 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 you can't say, well, that that wine was red. It's not his blood. I mean, that wine was white. It's not his blood. It doesn't look like his blood. Well, no. If it was grape and the priest consecrated it, it is his blood. Really, his entire self. But. That's another story, right, right. but but I guess the point is is that 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 we have to learn not to make something big T that's not another another example big T tradition devotion to Mary that that is to be Christian is to be devoted to Our Lady, mm-hmm. but the Rosary is not a central part of say some of our Eastern Rite Catholics. In other words. Strong devotion, icons, etc., to Mary, prayers to Mary, asking for her intercession, but they may not pray the rosary. Well, sometimes we can heighten the rosary to be, that's a big T tradition. Well, in the Roman church, that may be the case, but really the big T tradition is to be Christian is to be devoted to our mother. Mm-hmm. How we pay that devotion can vary. And in certain rites, it may be more one thing than another. Some people will raise a small tea tradition to you have to do this, otherwise there's something wrong with you. Does that make? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that, that's the point. I think it's it's important to understand that, but it always falls within a teaching of the church, and sometimes we get confused yeah. <laughs> about that. So and something that something that's a small tea tradition that we'd like you to to make. Is um we'd like we'd like it to become a small tea tradition is our Lenten listening challenge which is going on nice right now. Segue, you are good. So we're just asking <laughs> anybody who's listening to add an hour of Catholic radio every day, 
during Lent. If you're uh, listening awesome. six hours a day, make it seven hours a day. If you're listening four, make it five. If you're listening zero or very intermittently, make it one and, you know, pick the mystery of parenthood. Listen to the mystery of parenthood Come on your lunch it. hour. Bring it. Yeah. Uh, so do that now. So, yeah, add that on there. The other thing that came up that, that it actually not only came up here, it came up in, in, a, in a Bible study other there. And, I, and the minute I opened my mouth in that, I knew I had opened up a whole. Was it one where of, you, you hear the words coming out of your mouth? <laughs> and, and then, you I, and then I realized it's like, back. you know, sometimes you say something to your kids and you're like, okay, I got to qualify. There's lots of qualifying, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's why John Paul II, I love John Paul II. He could write a whole page that was one sentence because he qualified everything. So he'd make a statement. It's true. If you took that statement out by itself, it's kind of like taking something out of context. You got to build. You got to build all the qualifications. Right. So it came up on the show, and it came up in this meeting that what do we do on Sundays in Lent? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you remember? You, yeah, you remember, I remember that? Bringing okay. That up. <laughs> well, but it, but it is obviously, and it sounds like it's come up in some other places. All yes. right. Not 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 just here. It's 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 a popular topic, and. My professor used to always say, well, Sundays are always celebratory. So so one thing I will take from that is we have to remember that every Friday is a penitential day. Yes. That's not a Lenten thing. I mean, it is a every Friday, Lent or not, is a day of penance. It, when they said you don't have to observe the abstinence from meat on Fridays outside of Lent. What they did was, hey, we want it to be richer for you. So that may not be that big of a sacrifice. The church is saying, here, we'll give you the opportunity to pick some other sacrifice. But it never said, no sacrifice. Every Friday is meant to be that way. In a similar way, every Sunday is a day that we celebrate the resurrection. So, just want to be clear. I've heard others saying there's no law on Sundays of Lent have to be observed as any other day. My professor suggested every Sunday is a celebratory day. What that if if it's a celebrate if it's a day of feast, it's a day of recognition of that. But what I hear people say when you tell them that, so that means I can cheat, you right. know? Right. That's not in the spirit of keeping with what Lent is about. Right. Okay? What I said, if you're going to do something that you've given up on that day, then it should be included in your thought process. This is drawing me closer to Jesus. I'm putting in the context of the resurrection. And therefore, I'm celebrating or relaxing this for the purpose of remembering that we're headed towards Easter, the day we celebrate that, and that's it. So we're probably not going to over-imbibe or, or do something that we shouldn't do. It's just going to be something along those lines. If you want to, again, <laughs> if you want to observe your fast and, and all of that through, <laughs> through that, I don't think the church says you can't do that either. It, the I think we tend to want the church, like sometimes kids, especially good kids, you know, they want the parents to say, you can do this, you can't do that, and just draw the line. I've had, you know, good kids say, well, just tell me no. Just be consistent. <laughs> you know, or, you know, and, and, and sometimes the answer is, I'm not going to give you the answer, because it needs to be your answer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the church gives you that option. I would say that Sundays are part of that option but it has to always be in the spirit of if i am going to relax something on sunday in lent it's to draw myself closer to jesus to say what you accomplished on friday is now realized in sunday in the resurrection and therefore it's honoring him not oh good i can go over here and do what i you know shouldn't be doing anyway and cheat on this on, on every I gave Sunday. up candy, so I'm going to eat 10 pounds you, of chocolate you on know, Sunday. I'm going to cram it all in there so I can get through the next week. I mean, that's not the spirit of that. Right, right. Um, and I think that, I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that, but because I think that springboards us into, <laughs> into what I want to talk about, which is the purpose of rules, both for parenting and in the church, 
But I don't. Did, did he? Do you have um, I was just going to add that I think um, what you just said there speaks to the importance of prudence, and that the church wants us to exercise prudence. And you right. know, if another way to maybe approach this is, if you, if for you, the the thought of relaxing your Lenten discipline on Sunday conjures up or makes you feel in your guts like yes. I'm cheating then you shouldn't you shouldn't absolutely you mm-hmm. shouldn't do that but if the thought of idea the idea of that you know conjures up ideas and and feelings of you know that's going to make that's going to heighten my celebration to come home from mass in at 11 in the morning from 11am mass and then I'm going to have a, a piece of chocolate with my second cup of coffee and right I'm just going to I'm going to really and I'm going to praise I'm gonna, Jesus. I'm going to feel sorry. like I'm <laughs> celebrating Sunday, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're not being disingenuous about that. Then, then you should. Then you should. Right. And so, I think that's a great because I don't think there's because, like we said, there's not a hard and fast rule about this. The church is allowing for prudence to govern what's done. But our conscience has to dictate those who even. I mean, that's what the, that's another beautiful teaching of the church. If your conscience is convicting you that somehow doing this is wrong, right? Do not do it, right? I mean, do not. Right. <laughs> and I mean, so I love the church because she gives us direction, but she's not like a, you know, standing there. Oh, I got you. You know, you, you did that, you know, 20 days in purgatory or <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. What are your, do you have any thoughts on that? No, so. that's, I, I mean, I, I think y'all have hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, I, remember, I, it's, I think it's just like we always tell our kids when, when you've got that that little nagging feeling, that that's the Holy Spirit whispering to you. Uh, you know, mull on it, meditate on it, listen to it. <laughs> don't and don't that act voice, yeah. contrary to what. Yes, yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is maybe a, a topic voice. for another show, but I, I would even say if your conscience is telling you don't do something, probably should listen to that more intently than if your conscience is telling you. Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and do that. Right, but we could have some debates about that too. But cer- but certainly, I think that I, I just want to be clear. I'm not. This is not the that. Don't be looking at this as like, well, I get to cheat. I mean, I literally, yeah, the right, joking, exactly. like, I, you know. So Trey Cashin says you can cheat on Sundays. During, <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in the right mindset, if it draws you closer to Christ on that day. And and it's something that you're putting it in the context of Resurrection Sunday, yeah. then then do it. But if it's something that's totally contrary to anything you've been born and raised to do, and you would feel like I am cheating, mm-hmm. do not do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's beauty in that. I was telling you that Father Hugh Barber, who's the chaplain for Catholic Answers, he actually dealt with this question just last night yeah. on Catholic Answers, which I was listening to it because I was doing the Lenten Listening Challenge. Challenge. Yeah, yeah. So, put, so add that there, and you might hear both sides of the story, and then you could tell us. Right. But he got he got done kind of trying to parse this out, and he and the, the host, Cy Kellett, he even said, well, I grew up where we, you know, relaxed our Lenten fast on Sunday. So what should I do? And even Father Hugh said, well, you should do what your mom, what your mom raised you to do. You should do what mom says and, and <laughs> right. relax your fast and have that piece of cake <laughs> so, <laughs> Sunday or whatever. So, so there it is. I mean, there it is. So there was a lot of back and forth. So I think sometimes parents, <clears throat> parents, and this is, here's the deal. Parenting you can learn so much from the church because I think all of this is pointing to this. We we love rules. Catholics are <laughs> – we love do this, don't do that. We like to know this. But, but it can become something – those rules are there for your heart. Those you, rules are there to keep you kind of headed the right direction with the right intention. But you have to understand why you're doing it. You know, you have to – you have to – the rule is not there to just strictly be followed blindly because that's what I'm told to do. It's meant to get you thinking about why am I doing this and why does it even matter? And if the answer in your head is because my parents will get mad at me if if, if I don't or – you know, I'm strong enough to 
hang on to this thing. And so I'm just going to exercise my will for my, for my own good. All those things are not the reason for Lent. God wants your heart. So the whole purpose of Lent is to do these things in order to open ourselves up more to the grace by maybe leaving some things out that may get in the way of Jesus. They're meant to open up areas of in our heart that he can pour his grace and he can come and be closer to us. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that parents are the same way. We want the heart of the child. Do not be so fixed on obedience as being the, 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 the be all end all. Every parent out there, anybody ever had a, had a kid that you know obeyed, but you knew they weren't all in on why they're obeying. <laughs> ever had that? I mean, were they, were they, were there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it or I won't do it or whatever. Mm-hmm. That happens. You ever been that kid? I mean, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> My, we have got to get past that. So the question is, is how do you get past that? I mean, how do you get past it? Well, I think Lent is a time that you can teach the kids about that and then extend it to your own parenting, not not just in actuality, but 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 even talk to them about the fact this is why we do this. So when you say no, give the moral reason why. We've always talked about that, right? I mean that and and spend time on the moral reason why. And sometimes you'll find as parents that you'll have a rule and you won't know the moral reason why. I'm telling you, you need to find out why. And because if you don't have that why, it's not really part of you. It's something that's being externally forced on you, imposed upon you. And nobody does well over time with something imposed. It has to become part of who you are. Right. So then we talk about the funnel, for example, we talk about the limits that are set that sometimes that sometimes there are lines that can never be crossed. Right. But most of the time we're moving towards freedom. Most of the time we're wanting to expand what they can do so that they can make it more and more their own and then under and then teach them. So like when we're saying no, so I mean, the example that there was whether somebody could go on a, on a trip. We talked through a couple reasons why we would have difficulty with it, right? So going on a trip, spring break, right? Couple reasons. Well, bunch of kids in a car, right? I mean, so we're we're concerned about that. I mean, not that we don't trust you or trust the kids. It's just six people in a in a car that are 17 years old and younger going on a long trip, it's of concern. I mean, we've never let a kid do that. And therefore, as a parent, I'm like, if something happens, even if it's nobody's fault, there's a, something in my heart that says, I couldn't live with that. Could something happen on something I allow you to go to fully? Absolutely. I could send you with the most you know, the best parents in the world who are going to always watch and they could still get in a car accident and you could die. I can live with that. But I, but so that's, and you walk through that with them and then you say, okay, it's also spring break. We're talking about a place where there's going to be a bunch of college kids. I know y'all aren't going to be drinking, (laughs) but they're going to be a bunch of college kids down there. And the likelihood of you running across some young guys that might have had too much to drink in a car or, on the beach or on the water or whatever, you're 17, they're 20. I mean, you just don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get from them. Again, nothing about you. It's not about not trusting you. It's about the situation that we're concerned about. All of those things, if you talk through it with a kid and you go, I'd like to say yes, but I can't get comfortable with it. It doesn't mean he's happy, but there is a reason why, and it's not just, no. Well, I mean, again, why is parenting hard? Rule number rule what is that in that in that rule number one? Rule number principle one, number principle one. Number one. <laughs> why why is parenting hard? Because it took about forty minutes of a discussion before the 
son comes and says, I really want to go. I'm not really happy that I can't, but I fully understand why you're saying no. And so I'll accept it. You know, that took 40 minutes. It could have been done in two (laughs) and just said, no, absolutely not, period. Or it could have been done in two and said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Or either either way. (laughs) So either way, and sometimes I think parents, I mean, don't you find, I mean, I find this, it's easier to make a decision not explaining at all and let the kid do it. And guess what happens? I think kids take those decisions and they apply the reason behind it. It's the same thing that happens in the church. People, the reason you know that the church teaches something about it was a bunch of old gray-headed men in Rome that are making these decisions. So they don't know anything about X. And that's not true. I think kids can do the same thing when you make a decision without informing them what's going on in your head. They can apply, well, you're just being the boss of me. They may not say it, but it's in there. Mm-hmm. And so what we averted was not a tough decision. It was not, I mean, we, what we averted was not an unhappy child. What we averted is any confusion in his head as to why we said no. Well, and I think, you know, in addition to that, you're teaching hopefully, (laughs) for your kids to think through situations. Because we also talked about, you know, just the fact that the things that could happen between point A and point point A and point B, I mean, he may be a great driver, the kid that was driving. He may have done this trip two or three times already, but that doesn't mean that it was putting them in a situation that at 17, 16, and 17 years old, do we really want Y'all in a potential, you know, situation. I mean, I can certainly think back on times that I've shared with the kids that, you know, that I can't believe that my parents let me do certain things, you know, just and and most of the time it, it was fine. But, you know, I can think of a time when a bunch of us went on a, oh, yeah. a road trip to, to a track meet and I got horribly lost and had kids in my car about to be out of gas, and we were on some pretty dark, scary-looking roads. No reason in the world I should have been in that situation. And thank God, it all turned out okay. But Miles probably back so, praying rosary. But. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> little extra, little extra, a little extra gas fumes. Yes, from, yes, yes. <laughs> from your, your guardian angel. Oh, my guardian angel, fueled by my mother's treasures. But anyway, I, you know, I just. Um, I do think that, you know, that, that again, in, in, in taking that time to talk through it with them, you're also sharing your inner thoughts, how you think, because that's what they're going to be able to apply in future situations. We're never going to be able to cover and review and, you know, <laughs> uh, share every situation a child is going to be put into. But if, if you can talk and, and disciple them through the situations you you are offered that opportunity while they're under your roof and beyond. I mean, we still have obviously discussions with our college kids. It's not over. Um, and I hear once they're married, it's not over. I've talked to several people that, you know, so um, I mean, and that's wonderful. That's what you want. You want your kids to, ask to come to you to ask questions, to challenge. I mean, you know, he, he uh, you know, they like I said, they brought up points of, you know, you know, this kid's driven there four times already. And I mean, you know, it was, they were making points and very valid points, but so. Anyway. And, and, and that's, again, that takes time and effort. And, but I'm telling you, the payoff is they do begin to have the ability to kind of think like you think, you know. There's been a few times when, because they do know how we think, that Kenny's like, well, I wasn't even going to ask you because I kind of already know <laughs> what you're going <laughs> to say. You know say. Not, and, and, but it's not a negative, you know? Right. Because the other one that we talked about, and you jokingly talked about this, is we're known for trying to say yes. I mean, I mean, they know we want to try to figure out how to say yes. So we're not, no, no, 
know every time you ask. It, it, they, they know, and we'll sit there and talk through, and, okay, do you have some information that maybe would help us say yes? And sometimes the answer is that's good information, but it's not enough. Other times it may be, oh, yeah, you know, okay, I, I got that. And I think that's what the culture you want to build over time with in your family is that you can have a discussion you can say, I'm not, here's where I'm leaning and this is why I'm leaning that way. Do you have anything you'd like to feed me <laughs> that might change my mind or whatever? And as parents, if we're trying to figure out if we're, if it is a philosophy, we want to try to say yes, if it's at all possible to say yes. I mean, if it, if it, if we can get right with it and they know that, then they'll accept no way more readily mm-hmm. um not like again not going oh yeah i didn't think of that y'all are so smart <laughs> i now i feel so much better that's not what how it left and we're not it's not some weird family i mean he he's like i don't like it but i get it i, I think that's an okay place to be you know i mean i, I don't know it's not necessarily. Uh, i think what's cool about those <clears throat> that story is that he left and you had activated his reason. And right. so he knew in his head with his reason, he under, he realized, recognized, yes, this is indeed, this is the truth. This is the correct course of action. That doesn't change the disappointment. That doesn't change the emotional tenor of, of the situation. But he's mature enough, you know, if he was 10 years younger, he wouldn't, his emotions right. would overwhelm his reason and he would just be, he would be having a temper tantrum. Right. Right. It, but he's mature enough that his reason's been activated and, and he can self discipline, can control that emotion and grapple with that disappointment and he'll. And he can express it as, and he can express the disappointment. Right. It's a very mature thing. Right. I, I mean, I'm not happy, but, but I'll accept it. I'm going to go upstairs and kill some Russians on Xbox. <laughs> no, they're, they're, so. She killed the Xbox. No, I, so. the Xbox. <laughs> no, I know. That's why I referenced it. That's Mom why I made that reference. Mom there's no outlet like hey, that. Hey, there's a book house. name. Someday we're writing a book, and the title of the book is Mom Killed the Xbox. Right, right. <laughs> he says, no, it's, he says, I'm going to go upstairs and play some Xbox. I'm disappointed. Oh, wait, I can't. <laughs> Remember, now y'all I'm took really that away from me, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all said no oh, to that, too. Oh, uh, Yeah. But I, but but I but I think the point is is that we that, that we it takes time and relationship and communication to do a couple things. Number one, get them. You want them to be able to think like you think in your best moments. <laughs> you know, so so when you think cogently and are able to articulate it and let them and let them understand it then then and they can maybe even repeat it back to you then then you know that at least they've learned something about how to think through something the flip side of that which we've talked about is if you make a mistake or mishandle something or don't walk them through or just dead wrong then be man or woman enough as a parent to tell them i you know that was a mistake i mean we have gone back and said we should do that a couple of nights ago yeah, I had that go. I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, and and I had to say, I came down too hard on this one, and I should have come down harder on you, but I didn't have all the information right in front right. of me at the beginning of this episode. So, child A, I apologize to you. Now, child B, let's let's have some some, some words. But 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 I. I I I think also, and catechism says this. I'm gonna go find it, but it, 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 they learned forgiveness from that. And what I have found is how quickly, if if you are a witness to that, if you if you're quick to say, you know what, I, I was wrong. I didn't handle that well. And it, would you please forgive me? Mm-hmm. That when they recognize that they're wrong about something, how quickly they'll turn if they've seen that yep. in you. Yep. And again, you didn't teach them that, but like. Here, you know, here the so here didactically the lesson, like here, not here instruction. the lesson here so here the lesson ends, you know. Right. I mean, you you taught it over time going, you know, if if he's wrong, dad'll tell you he's wrong, you know, or if mom's wrong, mom will say 
you know, I was wrong. And that's why you're able to have the resolution to that thing last night is because you've built that over the over years. Time. And it's, it is literally pitching pennies. I mean, it's not, it's not something that happens overnight. It's not like you just flip a switch. It is something that, like you say, we want to be characterized by attempting to say yes. You know, we want to be characterized by explaining why something is supposed to be the way it is so that that's the way that they see things. And, I, and again, another answer that's great is there's a decision that needs to be made. I've used this before. I'm making this decision because I have to. I'm not sure it's the right decision. I, I really am not. But I have to go with what I'm, I'm, I'm going with. So, again, I think finally that's another answer you can give, which sometimes the kids appreciate or, or not. I mean, at least they think that way. So, okay, before we go to Stephanie with the memory verse, last question, true truth. Did you start with – did you start the conversation last night with a mean face? Did she have to tell you to turn your mean down? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, okay. I mean – okay. No, thank yeah. gosh, no. Uh, right, that was cool. not – Right, cool. there, was, there was no mean last night. So yeah. mem- memory it pretty, verse. It was, uh, you know, it was over fish sticks. Right. Yeah. I mean, how can, <laughs> how can there be mean over Sushi, fish sticks? Sushi, fish sticks, it doesn't matter. Right. Great things happen over there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So I, I, uh, I picked a, a verse out of uh, Philippians. Um, thought it was a great, uh, a great verse to chew on during, during our, our, um, our Lenten sacrifices. It's uh, Philippians 3, verse 10. And it says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. And I think, you know, it is a death during during Lent that we're trying to deny ourselves with some things and, of course, adding other things in that will get us closer to Christ. But So Philippians 3.10. And remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. God bless. God bless.